Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LC Give to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. Uh, well, we are starting a new series called Advent, and um, we are, uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it because uh, Advent is that, that season of time in our calendar year uh, where it seems that there's an openness to the gospel of Christ, at least an openness to the message, and we talk about this, you know, the songs that are sung and things out there uh, anywhere around us, and uh, so I love the Advent season, and just so you've got an idea of what's coming up, uh, first of all, we have invitations that you're able to take uh, home today, little business card invitations. Uh, obviously, that'll be for the, the next uh, next three weeks and uh, the Christmas Eve service. But December 8th, uh, next week, we're talking about peace. Uh, we have, we're going to have hot chocolate uh, for uh, for everybody as well. So just a great, great way to celebrate that on probably a cold Sunday morning. Uh, so you can be here for that. By the way, we've got cookies for everybody today. So make sure you grab one of those on your way out at each one of the entrances. We've got those. Uh, and then also we'll be celebrating baptisms December 15th. Uh, we are going to be celebrating joy as kind of our, our theme for that day, and that's going to be our Youth and Children's Day. Uh, so our youth are going to be hanging out here, helping us out. Uh, children are going to be helping out as well, and uh, be celebrating with them. They've got a couple of songs and get our little kids involved. It's going to be great. Uh, we also have the Ugly Sweater Day as well. So if you've got an ugly sweater... Please bring your ugly sweater. And if you wear a sweater on that day and it's not an ugly sweater, but we think it is, just make sure you have a sign that says, not an ugly sweater. Yes, I actually wear this, and that would be helpful for us so we don't put you in the competition. There might be a prize for the ugliest sweater this year, so we'll, uh, we'll see about that. And then December 22nd, we are going to be uh, celebrating hope uh, again. Oh, by the way, there'll be candy canes given out to everybody on, uh, on the uh, 15th, and the, the 22nd is hope. We'll be having some more hot chocolate as well. Uh, but for me, hope is one one of those, uh, um, to me, that's like a, a word for me. I use it, the staff will tell you, I use this word a lot um, just in the way that I interact and the way that I believe that Jesus uh, works in our lives is he gives us hope. And so that'll be the final uh, final message before a Christmas Eve uh, candlelight service uh, that'll be happening at uh, 5 p.m. on uh, December 24th. And super excited to let you know that uh, while we have a service going on here, Tawilla will be having a service going on uh, where they are, their campus, as well as Iglesia Vida for the first time will have their own Christmas Eve service happening at the same time. And it's just wonderful to see what God is doing uh, here on the campus and through uh, through the church here at Life Church Utah. And so thank you uh, very much in advance for how this month is going to go and make sure you get those invites on your way out today. All right. Um, I've heard this phrase many times in my life uh, growing up. There's something along this line. This is going to change everything. Uh, whether that is a new job, right? You, you, you think to yourself, once I get this job, then everything's going to change. My, my finances, my relationships, everything's going to change. But there's this thing called gravity, and it has a tendency to pull us back to the way that we were. And so oftentimes, uh, jobs don't change everything. They can, but they don't often change everything. I also remember um, an event that happened uh, in the United States that deeply impacted the entire world, 9-11. Uh, you know, when, when that happened, uh, there was a, a lot of conversation about how this changes 
everything. And in a lot of ways, it has changed a significant number of things within our culture. If you've traveled uh, lately, obviously, um, uh, through the airline system, I mean, there are major things you have to hurdle through uh, for that. But in churches, what happened right after 9-11, uh, there was a marked increase in attendance in church uh, for months following that. And so there were a lot of pastors who say, oh, look at this. Everything has changed in our culture. But how many of you know within probably six months of that, that all of that attendance went away because of something called gravity, right? That just kind of pulls people back to the way that they were, back to our comfort zones. And so this whole idea of, of everything changing is, can be elusive at times. We can talk about it and throw it out there. Uh, but are there things in our life that truly change everything? I would say there's at least two of them, uh, and there's probably many, many more, and so forgive me, I'm just going to focus on two of them. Uh, the first one is marriage. <laughs> marriage, well, it better change everything. <laughs> you can't live like a single person married. You just can't do it. There's no way to do that. Everything has to change. Your priorities, uh, the way that you spend your time, uh, everything changes, including, did you know this? Your hormones change. Down to the hormonal level of your body, when you get married, everything changes. Is that weird to say that from the pulpit? But that is true. <laughs> everything changes when you get married. Another area of our life where everything changes is the birth of a child. You ever experienced that before? You think you know your life. I mean, you think you have it all figured out. You've read what to expect before you're expecting if they even read that anymore. I don't even know if they read that anymore because it's been a while since we've had children, right? And so, you know, you read all these books and all these parents and you, you go to focus on the family. You go wherever you're trying to figure out to become a parent. Your child is born. All of it's thrown out the window. You have no idea what you're doing. Everything changes. That was the way it was with us in child number one, a little girl, baby girl born to us and all fantastic and wonderful. We had no clue. And we get pregnant again, or Shelly gets pregnant again. We say we, but you know what I'm saying. And so Shelly's pregnant again. Child number two comes along, and everything we learned with child number one did not apply to child number two, right? All those things. Uh, it was so funny with, uh, sorry, uh, discipline your children, right? You know, you, you do those things. And so um, uh, time out was something that we attempted with our children, and uh, to, sometimes successful, sometimes not. Our oldest daughter, Kelsey, um, does not prefer crowds. Let's just put it that way. She would prefer to be alone. And so whenever we would do timeout, you misbehaved, go do timeout. She'd be like, okay, <laughs> this is great. This is fantastic. And so she would misbehave so she could get in timeout. So that's a really great thing uh, to learn that everything changes. And then we had a boy. <laughs> everything changed. <laughs> The first two, whatever, and then we had our third or fourth one. Uh, that was a surprise, complete surprise, right? And everything changes with every child being born. Now, this is super similar to what's happening in the New Testament um, when truly this is the night that everything changes. But not only for this family that we're going to be talking about today, uh, but it changes for everything, for all time and eternity. Everything changed. So this Bi the Bible unfolds another story, one of a couple who find themselves in an incredibly difficult situation. He was an honorable man, so he wanted to make sure that he took care of the promises that he had made. She was a young woman, but she was pregnant, and the story changes everything. Um, 
So what I want to do is I want to read through the Christmas story uh, from Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. So if you want to turn your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 1. Um, and, and I want to read through this. And, yeah, it's a little bit lengthy reading. And, and uh, that's just because we need to get it all in here. Um, because this sets the stage for where I believe God is taking us in the book of Galatians here in just a few minutes. So Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel went to her, went to Mary, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will, uh, will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. A miraculous story starts with scandal. Right? I mean, this, that, that's all that, that you could say about this. It's uh, in a culture where there is honor, in a culture where there is shame, uh, this is an incredibly uh, difficult circumstance for Mary and for Joseph. How do you explain this? People looking askance at the pregnant, uh, pregnant Mary as she's uh, walking down the road. How do they handle this? Perhaps too much to process. And yet the pregnancy progresses. Once again, uh, Joseph was an honorable man, holds to his word. And the months pass, and now, they come to a, now we come to a very familiar passage of Scripture uh, for the Christmas season. And many of you, perhaps, on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, sit down with your family. And uh, I know that this is tradition in, in some families. And sit down and read through the Christmas story. And many people choose Luke chapter 2. This is kind of the classic Christmas story in the Bible. So Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus, who was the, the Roman emperor, absolute control, he uh, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, uh, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I don't know about you, but if I was uh, one of those shepherds, I would do exactly the same thing. If a bunch of angels come out of heaven and start singing and telling me where to go, that's where I'm going to go, right? So they hurried off and found Mary, Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told, uh, uh, told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So this uh, Christmas evening, maybe Christmas morning, however, whatever time this is all happening, obviously at night, it was no ordinary birth. There's nothing ordinary about this, certainly on the circumstances, uh, looking from the outside. Um, I have uh, personally been uh, to the four, to, to the times my, my four children uh, were born. I, I was there for those, which is very good. That's an important uh, place to be. So I was there giving what support a husband can give in that moment, <laughs> being told yes and then no and then yes and then no. It's very confusing. If you've never been in that situation before, we can handle it, guys. We can handle it. So, so I'm sit sitting there watching this, and no angels appeared at all, <laughs> none whatsoever. Um, and as being around 27 years in ministry, I've been uh, to the hospital uh, pretty close after the birth of children, and I've got to tell you, never once have I been greeted by angels. Never once. Have I been greeted, regardless of how beautiful the child is or not? <laughs> no, just kidding. They're all beautiful babies. <laughs> um, but I have never experienced anything like this that was experienced by Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. There's something about this that changes everything. So what's really going on here? in these passages. What's actually happening here at, at this Advent season, certainly they didn't call it Advent back then, uh, but what's going on in this Advent time of celebration that we are celebrating? Um, I mean, this baby born in a stable, a pretty obscure family in a far corner of the Roman Empire in a little town called Bethlehem. Why does this matter to us today? Why, why does it matter? Um, over the airwaves right now, and there's some stations, I think, that are on 24-hour Christmas music right now. I think some of them have already started. Because now it is legal, by the way, uh, after Thanksgiving to actually play Christmas music. So how many of you are pre-Thanksgiving pre Christmas music buffs? How many of you are like year-round Christmas music buffs? I mean, there's a few of you out there, the diehards, right? How many of you are post-Thanksgiving Christmas music people? How many of you are like the day before Christmas and then it's got to go off on the 26th, right? Anybody like that? Okay, there's a few of you. Bah humbug, right? That's the, uh, a few of you there. <laughs> but the, the, the Christmas songs are filling the air. And in our culture, this is really the, the acceptable time of the year when stories of Jesus and the Messiah and the story of the angels, that it can be sung about and nobody get deeply offended, although that still happens as well, we know. And in our culture, unfortunately, I would say there are many, many more secular songs being made all the time and pushing out the story of Christmas. And we get that. But, folks, let's just let's get, you get used to it. You fight against it. But you, you never give up on the on the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Right. I mean, it's not a song in a mall that's going to make all the difference. But what it is, is there's an openness that happens in our culture one time a year. So on this night where God changes everything, what happens? So at times we get a glimpse into the heart of God uh, and why he does certain things. Oftentimes there's a mystery. 
right, concerning that question of why, why God did this happen, why was this allowed, why, you know, we, we have those questions, I've asked those questions before, but I think in this passage I'm going to share with you, we, we start to get a glimpse of why God made this whole Christmas thing the way that he did in the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. So Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, this is written by a guy by the name of Paul, and uh, Paul was an early church leader, and he's writing to churches trying to help them uh, navigate difficult circumstances, and so at some point he wrote this in Galatians chapter 4, and this is what he says, and there are four things in here that I, that I want us to grasp about what Advent is. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, by the way, is not the band uh, from the 60s and 70s, just so you know. Crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. So there is a ton here in these short four verses. There's a ton here. In fact, books have been written about these four verses trying to navigate all of this. So I'm not going to do it justice in the next about 10 or 15 minutes that we have uh, this morning. Uh, but what I'm going to do is give you these four things, and hopefully through them, we're going to find out uh, that God has called us to something in this Advent season that maybe we have missed. So the first thing is Advent is about God's timing. Advent is about God's timing. Paul wrote to the church that Jesus came at just the right moment. So literally, what was it about the time when Jesus was born that was the right moment? Because that's sort of what Paul is talking about. And so what's happening here in the culture of the time and the society and the way that uh, the Roman Empire was structured, this was really up to this point the only time in human history, uh, pre-Tower of Babel time, when generally speaking, everybody spoke the same language, Greek. It had spread through the entire known world at the time, and so this language allowed for the spread of news in a different way that had not uh, been able to do prior to this. The second side of this was that uh, the Roman Empire being what it was, they had roads built all over the known world. And so news then could travel quickly in a way that had never been possible before. The nation of Israel, who was a captured, defeated nation, there was something growing within this nation of a desire and a hunger for a Messiah. They knew that there was a king waiting for them. They didn't know where, they didn't know when, but there was something growing within them that said, we are hoping and believing for now. So it's a very unique time in history when Jesus was born. So the fullness of time God's talking about, he's looking at all the pieces together and says, this right now is the right time. And so the part for us, I think, that we miss often at Advent is with the world around us listening to music that they don't normally listen to the rest of the year, could it be that God is opening up the right time for you to be able to share the gospel of Christ in a way that otherwise is not open? I was driving around uh, this morning before, uh, before church and uh, driving through some of the neighborhoods right, uh, right over here to the west of the church. And uh, as I was driving through, it really, it just was, was and I don't normally do that. This, uh, I got up early, 
this morning, a little extra early. I don't know why, but I got up and, and drove around, and man, my heart was just breaking for our na- the neighborhoods right around the church. So I'm driving by knowing that there are thousands of people that don't know Christ, thousands of people that don't know Christ. And the idea that we can advertise our way into their hearts we can social media our way, right, as a church into the hearts of people is pretty ludicrous. Because God has called us at just the right time, living where we live, having the neighbors that we have, the coworkers that we have, the moms and dads and the, and the I was saying moms and dads, parents, it's the same thing. Moms and dads and uh, grandparents and cousins and uncles and children. God has called us at this time at just the right time to make Jesus known to the world around us. Folks, this is the huge responsibility that we have that we miss at Advent time. Could it be that God is wanting to use you at just this time for his kingdom in a way that you've never thought possible? This can be that time. The second thing that Advent is about is about our freedom. So the Bible goes on and the Bible says that um, that at just the right time, uh, the fullness of time to come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under the law. God sent his son to redeem us, to buy us back, to ransom us out of the kingdom of the enemy. The life of Jesus was a road of purpose from his youngest age to his dying breath on the cross. None of, his moment, none of the moments of his life were without uh, value. He lived the life that we can't so that we can live the life that he could. Right? He lived the life that we can't. He lived that perfect life so that we can live the life that he could. Because we have been set free from the bondage of sin and decay. We've been set free to live the life that he has promised for us. And so that next step of what the Advent is, not only is freedom, that, that's, that's wonderful that, that God has called us to freedom, but beyond that, what does that freedom look like? Well, Advent is also um, about our adoption. Advent is about our adoption. So for God, it's all about relationship. What do I mean by that? So... Um, we have this understanding of who God is, and it's, it's difficult for us to fully describe and grasp this. I'm going to throw out a word for you that maybe you've heard before, maybe not. It's the word Trinity. All right, so the word Trinity, what, what that means is three in one. And so you've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three, and yet somehow they are one. And the language kind of befuddles us. We have really, it's very difficult for us to grasp how we do this. And so there's different illustrations and ways that we try to make it easy for us to understand. But it is at the very base of it all, very difficult to grasp and hold on to. And yet, this is what we see revealed throughout the word of God. Is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one and yet somehow serve distinct roles and purposes and and, in revelation and all of that. But... I think one of the reasons why it's a trinity, right, is because it reveals the fact that at the very core of who God is, there's relationship. 
God the Father in relationship with the Son in relationship with the Spirit in relationship with the Father, right? So you've got this whole beautiful expression of relationality that's happening within the Word of God. And what he's saying to us is, I want that intimacy with you. And so it's because Jesus has redeemed us, the Bible says that the Spirit of Jesus lives within us, and by him we call out, Abba, Father. We're adopted as his children. So adoption is a family idea conceived in terms of love and viewing God as Father. In adoption, God takes us into his family and fellowship establishes us as his children and heirs. Closeness, affection, and generosity are at the heart of this relationship. And I like this last this statement that I read. It says, to be right with God the judge is a good thing. Because we, we know that God is a judge, right? And so when, when we accept Christ, we choose to follow him and identify with Christ, we are set free from sin. And so hell is not our eternal uh, place, right? And so we're set free from that. So to be right with God, the judge is a good thing. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. And that's what we need to know, folks. That you have been adopted by God into his family through Jesus Christ. I like watching the adoption stories that show up in YouTube and the, and the stories of that because what you have is you've got parents who are looking at someone, typically a young child, that's been forgotten, forsaken, potentially unwanted, and they make the declaration, we want you. anything more powerful than that to say I've been chosen we've watched families uh, Shelly and I have watched families who have gone through that whole process of adoption and and uh, in our world today it's incredibly expensive and very difficult and there's so many blockades on, on the adoption so difficult to do and yet to see it go through successfully and to watch this watch the child and I, I love uh, on YouTube some of the stories of these kids who are for the first time finding out that they're going to be adopted by their uh, by now their new parents and it is just beautiful to see that and folks this is our reality we've been adopted into the to the family of God because of what Jesus did on the cross and God looks at us and says I choose you I choose you and all of this is summed up in the fact that Advent is about God's extravagant love because we're as children adopted into the family of God, we have the special relationship of intimacy with the Father. And, and by the Spirit of Christ, we can say, Abba, Father. And that word Abba, many of you may know this, but the word Abba means daddy. It's, it's a term of, of endearment and intimacy. And it's only when we have Christ in our lives that we have this relationship with God the Father restored in that intimacy that we long for in our lives. Uh, in my own life, uh, when my kids say to me, this is the quickest way to melt my heart, I love you, Dad. Right? I mean, that just melts the heart of every, of every father. I love you, Dad. Unfortunately, it's often followed by, do you have 20 bucks? That's usually what it, <laughs> what it is. I don't know if that's love or not, but uh, yeah. I'm like, no, but I'll Venmo it to you, you know, or something like that. So, because I don't carry cash very often. 
so right so but but we we feel that and so this is exactly what's happening when he when through the spirit of christ we can now say abba father daddy i love you that's this new relationship opened up that we have all because of the advent uh, there's a great passage in first uh, john it's kind of like john is recognizing this in his own life and he says this he says what marvelous love the father has extended to us just look at it we are called children of god that's who we really are if you're wondering what your status is according to jesus christ through the father you're a child of god and he's chosen you child of God and, and you are loved by him. Yes, even our balcony folks, you are loved by Jesus Christ. You are loved by God, right? This is who we are. This is our position. We are children of God, loved by him. But it all starts with Jesus born in a manger under scandalous circumstances that are difficult for us to fully grasp and understand that God says, I'm going to take and use all of this to set my people free, to adopt them as my own, to choose them, and to show extravagant love towards them. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.